Welcome to the Sparked Podcast, a place to keep your spark bright. Here I've brought together my most powerful tips from the last decade plus partnering with small businesses on all things leadership, mindset, people and culture. Here my approach combines intuitive psychology, strategy, neuroscience and results-based coaching to unlock your highest potential. Step into your power and truly own your role as a leader so that you can spread the positive impacts of your purpose-led work everywhere. My name is Emma Campbell. I'm a mindset and performance coach for purpose-led leaders. I'm a mama to two cheeky little munchkins. I'm a wine appreciator, nature-obsessed, stubbornly optimistic child at heart, and I'm here to inspire belief in what's possible for you because it is all so possible. I hope that this podcast leaves you feeling lighter, more inspired, and more ready than ever to go out there and take actions on your big dreams and vision. I can't wait to dig in. See you in the podcast. Oh, hello, hello. So lovely to be here chatting with you this beautiful, fresh, sunny morning here in Perth, a Tuesday morning, which is my content creation morning. And if you've been following my Instagram stories, you will know that I have been in Bali for the last week, which has just been absolutely amazing. We took the whole family over there, went over to a place called Noosa Labongan, which is a series of islands just off the coast of mainline, mainland Bali. And um, it's just like a a beautiful, like there's three little islands. They're called Labongan, um, Panita and Chenigan. And they're just really quiet, sort of, I guess what old like Bali used to be back in the day um, from what I hear. And um, it was just such a wonderful, adventure-packed, nature-fueled, um, oh, just ex- like absolutely incredible um a week away so we had the kids there we had my um brother and his family we had my other brother who was over from the us and my parents and it was a trip that we have been dreaming about for a long time and um it was filled with uh cruising around on a scooter with the kids which was slightly terrifying but we (laughs) went really really slow and just took it really easy and the the roads there are so quiet like they don't even have cars there or anything so it was really nice and um Alex and I even got to sneak away on a scuba dive for a few hours so we got to do two little scuba dives together which was amazing we saw turtles and oh my god a giant moray eel which is like the biggest one that I've ever seen and it'd been a little it had been a little while since I'd been on my last scuba dive so I was a little bit nervous before hopping into the water but the really cool thing about scuba diving is that like once you're actually in the water the the way that you need to breathe underwater just as in like it's got to be slow and steady and balanced in order to keep your yourself kind of um I guess yeah like balanced underwater 
it, it just calms you and gets you so centered and so present. And um, we did some beautiful drift dives and yeah, it was just a beautiful, beautiful trip. Lots and lots of cocktails, lots of pool time for the kids. And oh my gosh, they made so much progress in their swimming. Um, like little Oscar went from wearing a vest in the shallow end to swimming in the deep end without a vest. And I was just thinking about like the power of like total immersion training, um, like where you're just like totally completely thrown into a situation and how quickly the, the brain and the body can just learn and adapt. Hey, it's crazy. Um, and yeah, so I was going to just share a couple of little reflections uh, of what I sort of took away from the trip. And so the first one was just how amazing it is to have a break and how beautiful the energy at Bali is. Like you just feel it as soon as you work out, walk out of the plane. And the other piece I was going to say is what I noticed was how quickly um, things can slip as well when you're out of your usual morning routines and rituals. So I don't know if you are a morning routine ritual person, but I am, I'm very uh, systematic, I guess, um, with my morning ritual, which at the moment consists of somatic breath work, about 20 minutes of that, heart opening meditation, which is usually about 20 minutes, Um, And then kind of like visualization, visioning, meditation exercises, which is probably about another 20 minutes. Um, And most of the mornings, there'll also be some like exercise or movement within that, along with like a really, really nice, strong coffee. (laughs) And with those practices together, you know, every morning I'm, or most mornings, I am guaranteed to know that even if if I wake up feeling pretty yucky or heavy or crappy or um if there's any brain fog or whatever usually with those practices i can shift it and move it um but when you're in bali with your family on a holiday trip you're really knocked out of your usual practices and rituals and routines and um to be honest i was really okay with this like I, I, I had expected that. I knew it. I was fine with it. I'd kind of given myself permission to, you know, just let let it all go, Emma. You don't have to have your, all your rules in place for this particular trip. But um, what I did notice is that after a, like a few days, I just, I noticed a real change in my state. Like that that usual feeling of, I don't know, lightness and clarity and connection to what I call, um, I don't know, like a spiritual connection for me or a feeling of peace or a connection to something bigger, you know, those, those practices usually really help me connect into that feeling and that without having them, it can, it can start to disappear quite quickly, which was, which was really interesting for me. And just like really reiterated the importance of, having some sort of morning routine that really helps for you, that helps anchor you into the place that you want to show up from and operate from. I think particularly when it comes to my work and, you know, wanting to constantly challenge myself and 
move forward and step into my highest potential and and sort of anchor into my vision, it does require having these incredible practices that can support that alignment. So when I got home, I (laughs) doubled down on the breath work and the meditation and that was a big, big sigh of relief, which was also a really nice reminder that no matter what you're feeling, like no matter how crappy or sad or stressed or anything like that, that there's always a way to get back to a feeling of, you know, peace and ease and happiness or, or whatever it is that you're, that you're wanting to feel. So that was really, really cool. And, um, before we headed off to Bali, it was a really, really big week. Um, I think I was running multiple workshops with clients on change management and resilience and mindset. And then we also had two events on in one week. Um, on the Tuesday night, we had a pitch night for WA startups at the WA museum, which was amazing. So 30, incredible, like innovative, world-changing ideas um, and entrepreneurs got up on stage and I think they had about three minutes or four minutes to pitch their idea, um, which, oh my gosh, what a challenge in itself, right? Um, And then to ask a question at the end of of what they wanted, whether it was um, investment or support or following or whatever. And um, a couple of the winners were, and which a couple of my favourites as well, were Hey Sister, uh, which is the world's first plant-based pain reliever for women. So go check that one out. I'll I'll drop the link into the um, show notes below. But basically it's a natural drug-free period pain and menopause relief um, medication. And yeah, it was really, really inspiring to hear what those guys are doing. And then we also had Sarah Yates from Our Ruby Girl, um, who has got an incredible organization that provides employment pathways for people with disabilities. Um, And that was incredible to hear her story as well. And oh my gosh, there was just so many other amazing ones in there. And then on Thursday night, we had our um, purposed community event. Um, where we had some, and that was down at Lawson's Flats in the city, where we had some deep moving, intimate conversation around our values in life and what really matters to us and how we can create lives and careers that are really aligned to that. Um, we had a bit of champagne and lots of good chats and I just left feeling very inspired and lighter and like my cup was really full. So yes, it was a big week before leaving and then an incredible week in Bali. And it is so, so delightful to be getting back into the world of podcasting and getting to chat to you. And today I wanted to speak to you about psychological safety after being asked a few times about this in the last few weeks, you know, people actually asking, you know, what is it? doesn't matter, how does it work? Um, And I do find that it's a term that is used a lot, particularly um, over the last maybe six to 12 months, I feel like I've heard it more and more, Um, but it's often quite misunderstood. So I wanted to talk about like what psychological safety actually is, why it's important, how do you know if your team has it? <laughs> really important question. 
Um, and then how do you create it? Um, so yeah, let's jump in. So first of all, what is psychological safety? And I'm going to talk uh, specifically around team psychological safety, because really that's the heart of what it is. Um, like it has to be team, team-based psychological safety for it to actually work. And what it is, is it's a shared belief that is held by all members of the team that it's okay to take risks, that it's okay to express your ideas and your concerns, that it's okay to speak up with questions and that it's okay to admit mistakes and to do all of these things without fear of negative consequences. So that's the key piece. So to be able to, you know, take a risk or express a concern or to speak up with a question or to admit a mistake without fear of this being held against you or being judged for it. Um, one of the, the researchers that like coined this term, which is Amy Edmondson, she, she puts it as it's, it's this like felt permission by the team for candor or for honesty and to really like speak up with like what is what is really feeling true to you. Why it's important, oh my gosh, so without like the obvious of psychological safety just naturally feeling like it's something that you want within a business, um, what the research shows is that uh, psychologically safe teams, they're just happier they get along better, they've got better teamwork, they're more engaged, they're more fulfilled in their work and all of these things drive retention. So drive people wanting to stay and to feel really loyal and committed to an organisation. Because when people feel safe within a team, they really can bring their best selves to the table. And I definitely know this to be true. Um, I was chatting to a client the other day on this topic. And one of their questions was around, you know, is psychological safety more about, you know, how like confident our employees are, or is it about our ability as leaders to create a psychologically safe environment? And they were kind of of the opinion of, um, you know, wondering, you know, isn't, isn't it more about them? Isn't it more about the employees just feeling confident enough to speak up? And I thought this was such a fantastic question. And my belief is that it is a bit of both. I, I think that they can, they can interplay into each other and there's no like, you know, absolutely set objective formula formula around this but the way that I answered this question was this because I've definitely experienced both I can now speak from that place so I've definitely experienced the difference of being in a psychologically safe team and environment and I've also experienced being in a not so safe one and what I can say is that in the not so safe one, where I didn't feel like it was safe to speak up, where I didn't feel like it was safe to make mistakes, I was not at my highest potential. <laughs> so my productivity and my potential, my creativity, 
um, all of those things were diminished due to me being in like overthinking, anxiety, fear of making a mistake, um, perfectionism, uh, and just feeling really like kind of like small and always really focused on not making a mistake. Um, and I, and I can, you know, even just transporting myself back in time and, and remembering what that environment was about, you know, it was a real feeling of contraction, like rather than, you know, focusing all of your energy on like, how can I make the greatest impact? How can I transform my clients' lives? How can I do the best possible work? in fulfilling our organizational purpose and mission, a lot of my thinking was around how can I make sure that I don't get in trouble? You know, how can I make sure that I do things right and that I don't make a mistake? So it was quite like fear oriented thinking. And obviously if you've got thinking like that, it's really going to limit how much potential you can reach, right? Versus a few years later, after I had left that particular role, I found myself in the complete opposite environment. And I didn't even know that such an environment existed <laughs> until I was in it. And I realized how, oh, how beautiful and nourishing and safe and secure and supported I felt. And within this, this psychologically safe environment, not to toot my own horn, <laughs> but I really came into my own. Like I really stepped into my potential when I felt safe to be myself. I noticed myself being more comfortable to allow my creativity to move forward. And I'm, I'm a very creative person. And when I'm not allowed to be creative, it's just like this whole, you know, untapped side of me that wasn't able to be expressed. And then when I found myself in this safe environment, you know, I was being more creative. I was more confident. I was much more productive. I was much more effective because I wasn't overthinking things. I was just in that beautiful state of flow. And, and here's the thing about psychological, psychological safety and how it all ties into the brain. Because when our brains feel safe, it means that our brains are operating at the, in the best possible way. It's like all the different parts of our brains are actually integrating and speaking to each other. Whereas when we are in a not so safe, like not so psychologically safe environment where we're in fear, the, the limbic part to the brain and the amygdala can hijack the brain and they can turn some of the other centers, like the higher and logical and higher reasoning centers to our brain, those guys switch off. So we're left with these like, you know, primitive, um, you know, protective parts to our brain that are online, um, but it impacts our ability to, to think in new and innovative and higher level ways. So that's kind of like the, the brain, the brain case <laughs> for why psychological safety is really important as well. And I know that to be so true for what I experienced as well. So what I would say is that, you know, coming back to that question that my client asked is, you know, is it about um, our, our employees being more confident or is it about us creating a psychologically safe environment? 
I would say that, yes, it's both because there's no doubt about it. I would have been a more confident individual a few years on in my career compared to what I would have been like in one of my first jobs. But also there were a lot of things that my managers and the leaders of this organization in the safe workplace did to help create this feeling of me feeling safe to take a risk, feeling safe to be myself, feeling safe to, you know, go out of my comfort zone. And so I will talk about a few of those things in just a second. I wanted to just come back to the why, why else it's important apart from, you know, that kind of the, the brain case for it. Um, so apart from engagement and retention, psychological safety drives a continuous learning and learning and improvement um, sort of mindset within the team because when people are more willing to be real about their mistakes and willing to learn from them that kind of that growth mindset that's when we can actually like learn and make progress and move forward rather rather than when people are hiding their mistakes there's no opportunity to learn from them if you're hiding from them if you're pretending like nothing actually happened and there's no there's no space there's no room for actually you know learning about how you could do something differently and one of the things that Brene Brown talks about is how psychological safety and just safety in general um, drives innovation because when people feel safe to take risks you know, that when they feel safe to do something differently, they're more willing to actually get a bit creative and take a creative risk and think outside of the box. And that's what drives innovative ideas and doing things differently and big leaps forward for organisations that can really like, you know, propel them into being market leaders. So all of these things are really, really powerful for driving higher performance because when you've got an engaged team that is continuously learning and improving and, um, you know, creating innovative ideas, like that is a high-performing organisation. So psychological safety is just absolutely paramount. The, um, the There's massive downsides as well to not having psychological safety, which apart from what I spoke about before, it's, um, you know, the, the overall, the employee wellbeing, you know, stress, burnout, turnover, and just overall performance of the organization. And often it has a really big impact on retention as well. So if people don't feel safe to be themselves, they're not going to be showing up in their best selves and they're probably not going to want to stick around for very long as well. So it's um, got some massive, massive impacts in all the ways. So what are the signs of psychological safety in your team or in your workplace? So some of the questions that we tend to ask in our psychological safety and engagement pulse checks that we run with organisations are around... Um, and maybe this is a good one for you to check in with yourself on and how you feel about this in your team. So if you make a mistake, it's not held against you. That's a sign of psychological safety. Uh, if members of your team are able to bring up problems and tough issues, 
if people on your team are quite good at accepting others for being different, uh, if they feel like it's safe to actually take a risk on the team, uh, if it's not difficult to ask other members of your team for help, and if you feel like working with members of the team and their unique skills and talents are valued and utilised. So they're some of the key signs of psychological safety. Um, whereas low psychological safety can sometimes manifest in employees not asking many questions during meetings, employees not feeling comfortable to own up to mistakes, or um, sometimes they can place blame on others when mistakes are made. Uh, if the team avoids difficult conversations and hot button topics, if uh, executives and team leaders tend to dominate meeting discussions, that's another sign of low psychological safety. Uh, if feedback is not frequently given or requested, um, if employees don't ask one another for help when they need it, um, or if there's hardly any disagreements or differing points of view, you know, if people aren't even really willing to voice a differing point of view, that's a big side of low psychological safety. So question is, if you feel like your team is maybe needing a little bit of a, a prep up or a, um, you know, an increase in psychological safety. When, when I run workshops on this topic for, for leaders, we focus a lot first and foremost on the mindsets of the leaders around how they view mistakes and how they view errors. And then we tramp and it's about really shifting their mindsets around seeing mistakes as opportunities for growth. And then it's about translating these into good management practices, such as how can your leaders model vulnerability? So if you're a leader of an organization, a really great way to start to nourish and create a sense of psychological safety is by sharing examples of times that you've made a mistake and what you've learned from it. Because by doing this, it paves the way, paves the way for others to do the same. You know, it's important to model the behavior that you want to see in your team. And by normalizing vulnerability and speaking up about times, you know, that you've, things haven't gone to plan, but how you were able to learn and grow from it, that can be a really powerful way to do it, to do that. Another really, really powerful way is by actively inviting input from your team. So first of all, encouraging open communication and actively listening to your employees and what they have to say, actively listening, you know, giving them your presence and explaining clearly and specifically, you know, why you really want to hear from them. You know, why does their viewpoint and their input matter? And how would hearing from them actually affect the outcomes of your work? You know, some really good open-ended questions could sound like, you know, um, Susie, what are you seeing? Susie, what are your thoughts on this? Susie, where do you stand on this idea? And, and then really saying like, Susie, 
by me getting to understand your perspective, it helps us understand, you know, what the customer's actually going through on the ground level. And this is really important feedback for us because if we can get into the minds of our customers, then we can create create really, really good outcomes and, um, and services for them or something like that, but getting really specific about why their particular viewpoint matters. The final piece is around showing appreciation and humility when people do speak up. <laughs> this is a really, really important piece. So if you do have an employee who is brave and courageous enough and feels safe enough to actually speak up about a way, about, you know, about a mistake that they made, you know, this is your opportunity as a leader to celebrate them, <laughs> to celebrate them for speaking up to not blame and not go into judgment, but to really stay curious and to ask questions before jumping into, uh, you know, a lecture or anything like that. Like a really powerful question can be, oh, you know, what did you learn from that? Um, and, you know, just really building on that, um, that growth mindset. So how do you actually measure psychological safety? As I said before, I usually combine it like psychological safety measures with an engagement pulse check just to keep things really simple and powerful, which I usually run a few times a year with my clients. Um, it's something that can change over time. So it's not something that you want to check on semi-regularly. If you want to chat about running a psychological safety or engagement pulse check, um, for your team or even a workshop, just reach out to me at hello at emmacampbell.com.au or you can visit my website via the show notes below. Um, and if you've got any questions about psychological safety, just reach out. It's such an important one and can make such a transformative impact on your organization and its ability to reach its potential. I hope you enjoyed today and I will see you again next week. Lots of love. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed, I would just love it if you took one little minute to leave a quick review or even to share this potty with a friend who you think might benefit from its message. It's honestly hearing your feedback that keeps me going and helps me spread the word to get in the ears of other people just like you who are going through similar challenges and keen for a little bit of inspiration. Thank you so much. I love you. I appreciate you and I'll see you in the next podcast. Thank you.